0: Welcome to First Up, it's Rahina Monday the 5th of December, ko Nathan Rārere ahau, coming up we've got the MP for Te Atutu, Phil Twyford, who represented the, elect, uh, the electorate when dairy owner Aaron Kumar was killed in 2014, he's with us. Kaipuris Mayor defends his decision to ban karakia from council meetings and as people are asked to rein in their spending to bring down inflation. We speak to a woman who doesn't need the Reserve Bank to tell her to have a thrifty Christmas. Lynn Webster from Pig Tits and Parsley Sauce shares her prezi ideas.
1: Maybe give them an experience. Maybe if it's just movie tickets or maybe something like horse riding. Because, like, a horse ride's always going to be worth it. A Barbie castle might not be worth it.
0: Kia ora koutou. welcome to First Up, I'm Nathan Radare, back for Monday, and uh, we start in the United States of America today. Our correspondent in New York is Anna Burns-Francis, it's always a pleasure to be able to say more to her, how are you?
2: Oh, it's a beautiful cracker of a day. We're in that nice lull between Thanksgiving and Christmas where nothing happens. I'm enjoying life, Nathan.
0: Oh, beautiful, beautiful. Now the the Princess and uh, the Prince of Wales have completed their trip to Boston. I, I saw them, they were smiling and waving and it seemed to go, okay, how did the, was, was it a success?
2: I guess it was a bit of a success. I mean, Americans aren't hugely into the royal family, except when it comes to scandal, which there might be a bit of this week. You can only imagine what it's like to be a fly on the wall in Cambridge right now because they've actually gone back to the safety of the UK uh, while they were in Boston for that Earthshot Environment Awards. Of course, there was the dropping of the Netflix trailer for that new doco with Harry and Meghan, or awkwardly, they've also managed to avoid running into them because Harry and Meghan are actually in town in New York this week for their own awards ceremony. Um, But you can understand why they wanted to avoid meeting up because it's set to be more drama unveiled off the back of those revelations that we saw on Oprah earlier in the year. Now, the doco is supposed to be released this Thursday, US Times. That's Friday for you guys. And it's rumoured the Cambridges spent that flight time home plotting a much more aggressive response than we saw to the Oprah interview, but they'll need to tread a fine line. Meghan Markle is a very much-loved celebrity here in America, and we all know they love a good bit of drama.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's a shame that they can't bunk down together, but there we go. Uh, Let's have a look at election time. So this Georgia runoff, which is happening right now between Warnock and Walker, it's in two days' time. Can you just explain to us what is at stake uh, in this vote?
2: Yeah, we're down, look, we are down to the final fevered few days. Both of those candidates hoping to make it over the line first, even though it actually doesn't matter because this is a Senate race, but the Senate has already been decided uh, in the Democrats' favour after Arizona, of course. So an extra seat wouldn't hurt. Uh, and President Biden's actually been to Georgia this weekend for a, a rally, but it's the candidates themselves who've been making the headlines recently. Raphael Warnock, as you said, up against the former football pro Herschel Walker. Now, he made a name for himself in the last race for being anti-abortion while paying for abortions, not declaring his tax status or his residency properly, and for some quite confusing rambling speeches. And that hasn't stopped. His latest social media claim to fame is a very weird clip of him comparing the campaign trail to vampires and werewolves, and it makes as much sense as it sounds. So some of those bizarre comments seem to have pushed a few voters over the line, and it's expected the man of the cloth, Warnock, may just get over the line first.
0: Is he getting his ideas off the first two two years of Facebook? I think that was the last time that all happened, wasn't it? With- <laughs> Vampires and werewolves.
2: Yeah. yeah, I'm wondering if he's had a knock too many on the field, to be
0: honest. Someone needs to poke him. Here we go. Now, um, let's have a look. Oh, now this is something I know that uh, the Red Hats have been jumping up and down with for ages. Some of the contents of Hunter Biden's laptop have been revealed on Twitter.
2: Oh, yes. Elon Musk, making another name for himself, another day, another Twitter headline, decided to release a trove of emails and documents uh, relating to Hunter Biden's laptop. That is, of course, the laptop that was supposed to be hacked, but turns out it was just left in a repair shop. So the content's now making their way to the biggest audience yet. A big promise of a spill by Elon Musk on Twitter wasn't really the political hit job he claimed. It did show... Democratic PR people asking Twitter to delete some links to Hunter Biden, but they were not stories about him using his political influence to blackmail anyone. It was pornographic images of him. So, you know, I am not opposed to that sort of content being taken down, especially when it's been maliciously posted. Uh, and a lot of people watching the expose seem to feel this way. Elon's fanciful claims turn out to be a bit of a fizzer.
0: Oh, okay. Now, I'd actually noticed uh, at my local, I thought, hang on, the petrol looks a bit cheaper here. I understand uh, it looks like inflation is easing a little over there. Petrol prices dropping too.
2: Finally. I'm not, I am not. can't say I've noticed as much as you who would drive in Manhattan, but the Republicans must be pleased. That was, of course, one of their biggest gripes leading into midterm elections. The Fed finally getting a handle on the economy. Rents are also coming down. So, too, is the price of some food. Chicken wings apparently hitting rock bottom retail. Uh, but more broadly, the cost of shipping is coming down and supply chains are evening out. But this comes at a cost. Mortgage rates are really high here, and that will hurt. More than 10% of Americans spent more than they earned in the last six months. So while prices are coming down, so too will employment, and businesses are about to feel the squeeze.
0: Mm, I can help with that chicken wing problem. I'm willing to <laughs> volunteer. I'll be like those New Zealand, you know, those New Zealand rescuers that arrived by Hercules to come in and help. I can do that, okay, Anna? You speak to the people, and well, I can get there and do it.
2: It is football season and you do have a Costco, so where there's a will, there's a way.
0: Yes, indeed. Let's go, Cowboys. Thank you very much. Uh, Anna Burns, Francis with us out of New York City. i was just wondering, there listening. Uh, oh, by the way, you are listening to First Up on RNZ National with me, Nathan Raruri. Uh, thank you very much for your attendance today. Just a, just a little thoughts. I was just wondering there with Anna when she was talking about uh, that it looks like some of the prices were coming down and the inflation uh, was coming down. Well, it doesn't actually, there's no figures that show that yet, but at least the prices are dropping in the United States. And she said, I'm pretty sure the Republicans will be happy about that in my brain. I thought, would they? Do. What do you think, 2101? Do you actually think that opposition parties anywhere in the world are actually happy when things go, go a little better? What do you reckon? 2101? Do you think they're actually happy? I don't know. I would say no. <laughs> but that's just me. Maybe I've got to that stage and I'm a bit cynical, like, oh, I just want to be in charge. Anyway, 2101, what, what do you think? It might be a bit of, bit of an interesting, bit of a fun one this morning. Well, uh, meanwhile, the, the grim case here, millions of Ukrainians are facing a winter without power and fears are growing for those without shelter. The BBC's Jessica Parker has this report from the village of Kalanivka.
3: The pain of hearing your home is destroyed. Inna still feels it months on. (laughs) Earlier this year, fires raged across this area. Russia's brief and failed advance left scenes of devastation. Now clues from that time lie hidden. Inna's makeshift home is built where her old one used to be. But the kitchen is freezing and damp, icy water drips from the roof, her swollen hands hurt from the cold, but she looks far beyond her own worries. I want us to win as soon as possible, so that there is peace and tranquility, so that all soldiers return home alive and well. For Inna, help is on the way this winter. She's the first in her village to get a prefab home, but others will have to wait. Including Nadia. In this one room, she cooks and sleeps in a bed she's sharing with her son and his girlfriend, Sophia. A plastic sheet stops the floor getting wet when they wash. They even go to the toilet in here if it's too cold outside. For 19-year-old Sophia, it's suffocating. I'm very anxious. I can't wash or go to the bathroom alone. I hate to do that in front of everyone. I just want some personal space. As the cold bites, Russian strikes mean power cuts too. It's an exhausting existence for Nadia as she sits on the steps of her former, now wrecked home. It's hard for everyone. I want my house. I want to live in peace. And for my son and his girlfriend to have a place to live. Because now they have no life. It's not life. Oh, God. 63 years old, she walks through the rooms and ruins, the shadows of the past all around. So many have been left haunted, now hunted by
0: the winter too. Jessica Parker reporting from Ukraine. It is a quarter past five back home now. Kaipurah's mayor has been accused of racism and cultural ignorance after stopping a councillor opening a hui with a karakia. Craig Jepson interrupted Councillor Peter Paniora several times this week when she tried to start a hui in Te Reo And despite backlash from rate payers and concerns from the Race Relations Commissioner, Ming Foon, the Mayor insists he won't allow karakia. He spoke to Te Tai Tokerau reporter Sam Ollie.
4: It's not racist at all, in my opinion. I'm not a racist person. I wanted to run a secular council. I'm quite happy to have all groups included and uh, treated equally. And that, to me, is not at all racist.
5: Do you think that it might be breaching the principles of the Treaty of Waitangi?
4: No, not at all.
5: What about, say, equity, partnership?
4: It doesn't breach those at all. It's a council that is, that is inclusive of everybody. It's not discriminatory against Māori or the Treaty. It's not difficult to grasp that concept, surely.
5: But had anyone else on the council said they had a problem with karakela? Isn't it just you taking away no, something? Well,
4: well, well... <laughs> They have, actually. My council is quite supportive of me. They don't want to go through three years where we have to be dominated by karakia at every meeting and end of meeting. They just simply want to get there and do the job.
5: Who said that? Because some, some councillors have said on social media that they're really disappointed by your
4: views. Well, I know who they would be, but you know, they're only, a, they're only a part of my council.
5: So, again, you're taking away an opportunity for them to embrace karakia,
4: that. Well, they could, they could say a karakia before the start of a meeting at the end. But the karakia has only been introduced. I mean, I went to local government in New Zealand about this when I went down to Wellington. Leanne Dalzell actually presented, and she said you can open and close your meetings in any way you wish.
5: Yeah, but you've taken away away.
4: No, you're putting words in my mouth. I haven't done that at all. You're trying to say that I'm subjecting everybody something they don't want. I'm not.
5: No, no, I'm saying you went to a training session and someone said you can open and close a meeting in any way you wish. Members of your council want to open and close a meeting with karakia, but you've said no to that. You've taken away that meat. The
4: majority, let's be clear, the majority of my council do not want to open and close our meetings with a karakia or any other prayer or any other system because we are diverse in our council.
5: How do... You feel when you hear karakia?
4: The um, council are concerned opened a, um, did a karakia at a at an arts festival recently, and it was lovely. She gave the karakia, and then she um, she interpreted it in English, and it was a lovely prayer. But I've got no opposition to karakia, but I'm not going to have a council where we have any karakia. We have it simply a, a council that sits, opens the meeting, has the meeting, and gets on with the business.
5: Yes, but 25% of your community is Māori, so surely Māori culture, the expression of it, is something that you could include in your meetings?
4: Look, I don't have to include anything in my meetings. I don't have to include Indian culture, Asian culture, any other culture or religion or non-religious group, or or Nordic or anybody. Really? No, I don't. I don't have to give selections to anybody. We're there to do the business. We're not there to open it in any way.
5: You're speaking in English, so, so you're giving a lot of opportunity for that language. So what about giving a bit of opportunity for another language, at least one other?
4: English is the predominant language we do our business in. Whether you have a, a preference for Maori, Chinese, Asian, whatever, that's how we do business. The business of counselling is conducted in English.
5: Are you comfortable with te in other parts of the
4: meeting? Oh, yes, I would be. I think it would be, it would be um, inappropriate if everybody couldn't understand the language at a meeting. I mean, how do we run a meeting where people may not understand what's being said? Interpreters? Well, certainly. I mean, that would have to be the case, I guess.
5: Are you going to reconsider your position at all, or are you really firm on this?
4: At this stage, I'm firm on
0: it. Premier Craig Jepson. It's 20 past five. I'm Nathan Rarere here at First Up on RNZ National. Coming up, the Minister of Fruit and Veg, Glenn Forsyth, joins us next with what to look at in the fresh produce aisles of this week. And uh, the Football World Cup desk is up and running. We've uh, had our crack team onto it, and uh, we'll get onto that in, uh, well, less than a quarter of an hour's time. I've got a
1: lovely bunch of kelkenau.
0: There they are, standing in row. Big ones, small ones. We head off to the fresh produce markets. We're standing, and he's opening up another little window in his advent calendar. And what's behind that? Oh, it's a broccolini. It's the Minister of Fruit and Veggies, Glenn Forsyth. Morena, Glenn, how are you? Morena, Nathan, very well. How are you? I'm good. 20 days until Christmas. Um, so, what are the monthly recommendations for five plus a day?
6: Yes, it's the last month of the year and we can't let that go past us without mentioning the five plus a day hits for December. They're great ones as they always are, cherries, berries and tomatoes. So we'll look We'll look at cherries first and there's three full shopping weeks now till the big feasting day. They are slowly improving this week with the sandbar variety looking good this morning. Now when the Lappins come along, you know we're cooking with gas. If the weather stays kind now, Central Otago are going to be well under harvest week commencing the 12th and Touchwood. This will mean good supplies of New Zealand cherries for Christmas week, which is week commencing Monday, the 19th of December. Now, this heat and sunshine is doing wonders for our strawberry crops right now, and this week they peak. If the Auckland weather doesn't get too hot in December, strawberries for. The Christmas pav are looking good, as to our raspberries, blackberries and blueberries, which have all been underway for some time now. Tomatoes, now that's an interesting one. Yes, they're in season, but there is less supply. And currently wholesale prices are higher now than 12 months ago. A number of growers had to stop due to labour cost, energy cost and cost for compliance. And larger growers especially have planted less area due to staff shortages and not being able to fill positions. However, Kiwis uh, love tomatoes. They are super good for you. And at least we won't run out. Hmm. So there's our update for December.
0: Righty-ho. What about, uh, give us the uh, the vegetables. How are they looking this week?
6: Or well, caught up with the lovely Glenis Lou in the weekend, and she mentioned a few lines a little different. New Zealand purple asparagus, broad beans, and some gorgeous early buttercup from Tonga. So Mount Eden residents are in for a treat. Early December, green asparagus and sweet corn are like ships passing in the night or or maybe elevators a better description. For example, asparagus on its way out and 250 gram bunches will probably be 450 each this week. But new season corn coming on and if you shop around in the North Island, I'm hearing some stores selling at 250 or could even be a little less later in the week, a cob now. A few other vegetables in better supply shaping up for this week will be mushrooms, king sweeties, baby spinach, and lettuce. Now, baby spinach, they're tasty in salads, sure, but you can also go they also go into stir fries. Lay it into lasagna, try that, or sim it in sauces, soups, and stews. Small potatoes, they're all the rage for Christmas, and the delightful omru Jersey Bennies, are creeping out now throughout the country for us to enjoy, and if we're struggling to get our head around high prices on brown and red onions at the moment, spring onions, they're flushing this week. So, you know, spring onions add that crunch and zing to salads um, or savoury sweetness to a stir-fry when cooked. So you can cheat a little bit and grab some spring onions.
0: Yeah, I love spring onion. Uh, what about uh, you? I know you mentioned there before about the strawbs, so that's a good uh, so the strawbs probably peaking in the next week. I was thinking we need to bring Christmas forward a couple of weeks to, or Pavlova <laughs> Day, something like that to yeah, make sure know. that it's good. Um, but other uh, yes. are are the fruit having have a look at? The apples and the pears I bought some raw galas yesterday. They will quite cheap
6: well, it's a busy week start to the week on fruit. If you still have your heart set on pit fruit, the best apple choice is Ambrosia and New Zealand pear, the Winter Nellis. Note, though, both have come out of CA storage, so put straight into your fridge. As left in a fruit bowl, they will spoil overnight. Winter Nellis, that great, raw as is. Sliced into sandwiches, even salads, fruit platters, and cheese boards, or cooked, such as baking and poaching. And definitely don't cut off apple skin. The nutritional value of apple skin is four to six times higher, they say, than the pulp, and a great source of dietary fibre. Some imported lines in good supply are mangoes from Ecuador, pomegranates from USA, and a late burst of Australian naval oranges. Beautiful. I uh, brought two yellow flesh peaches yesterday on the run. Cost $3, but they had that summertime peach flavor coming through, which was the main thing. So, yellow flesh peaches gets the stone fruit nod for this week. And talk about how Quality Sells also caught up in the weekend with good friend Thomas Kwan of Victoria Avenue Fruit Supply in Walton Street, Remuera. Now, get this, cherries are sold by the millimetre sizing, and he had 32 mil there, and that's big, plus some absolute exquisite green, green seedless grapes from Korea. Now, they were both retailing for forty-nine ninety-nine a kilo, and he sold out of uh, both yesterday. So, yeah. Glenn,
0: Glenn, did you just want to rewind there? Um, we think we heard something there. I'm not sure if you heard. Did you say pears in a sandwich?
6: Well, yeah, I've seen some people slice them very thinly and have them in a sandwich. I've never tried it, but it might be quite refreshing. What with? I have no idea. I mean, what, what, what could you put it with? Maybe the listeners might try them. A little right. bit of uh, yummy mayo or something.
0: Yeah, Jeremy oh, yeah. just said blue cheese in my ear. I know that um, one of the burger places used to do it with a bit of pear in it. It was very, very, a chicken. It was a chicken burger with pear in it. It was very nice.
6: Yeah, good idea. Jez is mad on cheese. That would be a good one too. He with is. Yeah, a, a, a yeah.
0: He is indeed. Thank you very much. Glenn Forthythe, your Minister of Fruit and Veggies. Like sands through the hourglass, so are the days of our lives. I was called a chid and and they had thin uh, slices of pear uh, pretty much in lieu of onion. It's quite nice. What would you... Pear. Pear and sandwiches. Do you, Is blue cheese? Is that the only one you can have? 2101. There's lots of glum things we could text about this morning. Let's not do that. Uh, Let's have a look at this day of our life we call the 5th of December. Goodness me, so a couple of very, um, well, giant names in the world died on this day. 1791, Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart died very mysteriously and was buried very quickly at the tender age of just 35 years old. My goodness me, he packed it in, didn't he? And on this day in 2013, uh, Nelson Mandela died at the age of 95. Births on the day, a fellow called Walter Elias Didney, uh, Disney was born in Chicago, Illinois. He went on to be okay. As a film producer, he holds the record for the most Academy Awards earned and nominations by an individual. And, um, yeah, that mouse went quite well for him. Also, too... What a performer. Richard Wayne Penniman was born on this day in 1932. You knew him as Little Richard. I don't know if he had a brother who was a bigger Richard, but anyway, he was born in Georgia, and he was uh, one of the first group of inductees into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1986. On this day in 1952, a lethal smog began blanketing London, causing thousands of deaths. The incident prompted the passage of the Clean Air Act, and... Children of Bavaria tonight look at the door and hope that Krampus doesn't come because it is Krampusnacht. The horned half-goat, half-demon comes out tonight and he goes around, quite often he pairs with St. Nicholas and he goes around and he punishes children by giving them a piece of coal or whipping them with a birch branch. That's very exciting and that's all the youngsters of Bavaria really hoping that Krampus doesn't uh, come and visit them tonight in Krampusnacht. Joining us now from the business team, it's Ananzaki, Kia ora. Kia ora, Nathan. Uh, I want to go with this one. Businesses spending more on commercial grade fibre broadband.
7: This is the new infrastructure, isn't it? It is, yeah. As, uh, you know, we've got more and more businesses moving their operations online. Uh, COVID seemed to have pushed that a little bit. Uh, and we now have more than 100,000 businesses uh, in New Zealand connected to uh, what's uh, what's like a specialty business grade fibre, and that's according to the Lions Company Chorus. So unlike you and I, the average consumer uh, who need fast download speeds to watch movies and so forth, uh, you know, businesses need super fast upload speeds uh, into the cloud, so... The move uh, to the cloud, which has been accelerated by COVID, uh, is driving huge growth in business data usage, uh, according to Chorus. And that's driving uh, demand for faster and more reliable uh, connectivity. So... Corus say uh, they've seen a 65% increase in uh, customers using business grade fibre in October alone. Uh, It is more expensive than uh, consumer services, uh, about 15% more uh, than uh, consumer services but businesses do get uh, priority fault response, that kind of thing, you know, higher bandwidth uh, and Uh, Some fast facts for you, Nathan. Uh, Early adopters of multi-gigabit hyper-fibre services with uh, many connections are using over 10 terabytes a month. And uh, Cora say we're one of just 10 countries with multi-gigabit broadband speeds uh, offered to businesses. We always seem to be up there when it comes to broadband, don't we?
0: Yeah, we do, actually. I know um, uh, friends from Australia have come over and gone, your broadband's so fast here. This is unbelievable. So yeah, in- a
7: lot of a lot of Aussies seem to think that uh, especially over here. Yeah. Compare uh, it. What about this oil giant cuts investment after windfall tax? Well, we've spoken about this before, I think, windfall taxes for companies that benefited hugely uh, during COVID or due to one-off events, you know, like the Ukraine, uh, the invasion of Ukraine uh, by Russia. Well, the UK has uh, raised its energy profits levy from 25% to 35% until early 2028. It's a, a bit of a windfall of sorts. Uh, well, French oil giant Total Energies uh Uh, has said it will cut North Sea investment by 25% next year. And the company is uh, one of the North Sea's biggest uh, oil and gas producers. And last week, uh, we had Brindex, an organisation representing smaller independent uh, oil exploration companies in the North Sea. They said the windfall tax increase represents... Uh, "Quote uh, an existential threat to the industry," unquote. Not sure about that. Look, I'm not really buying that. One.
0: <laughs> no, no, I think I think they'll still keep looking for oil and profit when it happens. I think I think with <laughs> few, I think you can rest safe at bed if you're worried about that. Thank you very much, Anand. Uh You can hear more from the business team this morning on Morning Report at ten to seven. Now to our quite rounded uh, money report for the day gets more detailed as it goes on stay uh, listening as the story unfolds. Your New Zealand dollar will buy you the following 64 US cents 94 Australian cents 61 Euro cents 52 British pence 4.51 yuan and 86.15 Japanese yen. That's the music that means football when I guess it's on. To
8: start the morning, Do you like isn't that, it?
0: Clay? It's, mm-hmm. a, it's uh, Clay Wilson, is with us here from the sports department. Thank you very much. We just thought we needed something that embodies just football. Mm. Old footage where, where the colour
8: isn't, doesn't quite look right in their little legs to just moving so quickly in the in the footage. You if know? Nothing else. If I wasn't awake already, I am definitely mm. now after that. Yeah. You are now. So mm.
0: update us, World Cup wise.
8: What has been happening this morning? So two more games on in the round of sixteen this morning. France against Poland is the first game. 1-0 uh, as it stood just before I stepped in. 2-0 on the screen here. So uh, France look like they'll be going through, and then that potentially sets up a pretty big uh, quarterfinal. If England can do their thing, they're up at 8 o'clock this morning oh. against Senegal, and that would be a classic quarterfinal, would not it, to see... The old foes, England and France, go head to head in a it World Cup quarterfinal. I'm not sure when the last time they actually played each other in a in a World Cup, especially a knockout game of that magnitude. Um, but you never know. I mean, I think some of these African teams are aren't as well known, but are actually very, very good sides. We've seen already they've, they've pulled off a few upsets. So yeah, um, that's a big game coming up. So France look like they've booked their way through, and obviously we saw yesterday uh, the Netherlands and um, the Netherlands going through, and they've set up a pretty big final against uh, quarterfinal against Argentina. Lionel well, Messi doing his thing as he does consistently, which just... You know. Yeah.
0: I, I think, you know, for the Australians, a great run for them. They managed to get out of the pool with a bit of vic- with some victories, which mm. is nice. They get into a game and you, you lose to an Argentina where Lionel Messi's doing something amazing.
8: You're like... Oh. Well, I think Graham Arnold, the Australian coach, he pretty <laughs> much shrugged his shoulders after the game and he said, We were playing pretty well, and then Messi yep. just and did Messi, what Messi does. Messi went Messi. Yeah. He went Messi. Exactly, yeah.
0: And I was thinking, too, with this World Cup, it's been uh, results wise, on the field wise, it's been fun because it's had all the things you wanted. Like it's had, uh, it's more competitive, it's had great upsets and what have you. But isn't it interesting when we have a look around? It was a very exciting round of 16. You got Netherlands, Argentina, and then, then it looks like there'll be Brazil in as well. We've still got some of these, well, the, and, big,
8: the big names, the yeah. big games, don't we? France, France England. Was, the, the pool games were exciting, weren't they? they to have... Results you don't expect—that's what you want. You want to you want to be surprised in sport, and especially a tournament like that's the biggest tournament in the world. So yeah, absolutely. Now, um, this—I mean, the, the football World
0: Cup tends to dominate everything uh, when it <laughs> is on, even though there is other sports happening. I mean, is there anything else where you've been able to cast your eye at? Or well, not really? I thought
8: you might have liked over the weekend the breakers played, and they had a certain Corey Webster returning. Yeah. Um, and there was a very interesting story about a social media post. What was that
0: post? I didn't see that. So, so
8: it was essentially a billboard in Christchurch and it had Corey Webster's face, an equals symbol and then a symbol of a cat now, other oh. word for, cats, for yes. cats that come to mind. Not a non-brave People, person. You don't have to be too clever to figure what that was meant to mean and he didn't take too lightly, <laughs> too kindly to that he actually posted in the comments of, um, of the social media post sort of not too happy about it and But obviously fired him up, and what happened is the Breakers were up at half-time, playing pretty well, going for their sixth win in the row, the top of the league Mm. in the NBL, and Corey Webster just went on one. 16 points in the third quarter, essentially took the game over, and then the Breakers made a bit of a comeback at the end, and who made the sort of bucket that secured it for Perth? Corey Webster. (laughs) Uh, I have to say, he he spoke very well after the game. He didn't get too, um, he just sort of said, yeah, it did motivate me, but... uh, at the same time, you know, I don't need to be motivated. I'm a prof- professional, professional, that kind of thing. But you could tell it did fire them up. So um, you do see some of these sports teams, don't we? Especially some of the American teams, the social media teams, get very, very cheeky with some of these well, posts. Well,
0: particularly, like, basketball embraces it. And, and the thing is, their fans love it. Mm. They really, really like it. Yeah. And, and the players do engage with it a lot more. And it's, I think, you know, this this sport now is what? It's number two in the world, isn't it, I think, behind uh, football and mm. popularity. Mm-hmm. And it does grow that way. They, they speak to their fans a different
8: way and they involve them in the little arguments that go on. Yeah, and I guess you're always walking the line, aren't you? When you have that kind yep. of approach, you're always walking the line and perhaps you overstep it every now and then. So uh, it was funny, it was all the talk in the press conferences about the social media <laughs> team, <laughs> the breakers and not the players in the game. And so. it's funny,
0: they've got a genuine rival. like The breakers in Perth don't, do not... They've they're, they're the two most successful teams. They're they're like the Lakers and the Celtics, and in that strange way, mm-hmm. isn't it? we not well. Yeah. No, they will be Sydney Kings, were pretty good, but you know. Yeah, we we'll go there. We we'll go yeah. with that Wonderful. Okay, well, thank you very much. No choice, There we go. Yeah, uh, much happening uh, in the world of sport as well. It is uh, five. No, it's twenty-two to six. Now. I'm Nathan Rarere, you are listening to First Up here on RNZ National. So to come between now and 6 o'clock, MP Phil Twyford, who represented the Te Atatu electorate when dairy owner Aaron Kumar was killed in 2014, joins us. Is he satisfied with the progress that's been made to, ta- to tackle crime since then and uh, to keep himself safe? And also, as people are asked to rein in their spending to bring down inflation, we speak to a woman who doesn't need the Reserve Bank to tell her to have a thrifty Christmas. The Professionals of Morning Report are up after six, and for a bit of a preview of what is happening today, it's Corin Dang. Kia ora, Corin, how are you? Kia ora, good morning. Football's coming home, Nathan. It? Yeah, apparently. Well, they think so. It
9: might be going home. Home, wherever home is. Yes, no, England are playing this morning, of course, Senegal. We're always a little bit interested in England. I was just saying to someone in the studio... Um, that I was hoping England would go on a little bit further before they were sort of tortured and lost in the semi-finals. Oh, yeah, that's
0: that's way more funny. You need them to get their hopes up that
9: they're going to win. I actually don't know. I want them to win. I kind of want them to win, but then I want Senegal to win too because, you know, African champions and all. Um, Anyway. We'll, we'll, we'll definitely cover off the uh, FIFA games this morning. A couple of correspondents uh, from uh, Doha this morning to get the um, the details on that. France, what's still ahead? 1-0, are they over Two-nil. Poland? 2-0 Poland, yeah. uh, so yes. Ah, yes, and just free. got that gold in there. Very yeah. nice goal. Uh On the uh, news side of things, uh, the hard news side of things, I suppose, we mm. were talking to the Prime Minister as we do every Monday morning. We're we'll focusing on a couple of issues this morning. We'll look at this uh, three waters issue and the entrenchment issue. Uh, how this mess the government got itself into was, uh, in fact... Uh, well, how it came about uh, they've uh, backtracked now and they're promising they made a mistake and they're going to fix it uh, so credit to them on that score but we do need to find out what exactly went wrong how it went wrong with such an important piece of legislation involving entrenchment mm. uh, Jane Patterson will be in too our political editor for some analysis on that we'll also talk to a little bit about broadcasting and the merger between RNZ and TVNZ Uh, Some uh, who saw that interview with uh, Willie Jackson on Q&A yesterday describing it, uh, I think one newspaper column described it as a train wreck. Uh, We'll talk to her a little bit about that. Uh, There is also the issue of transport this morning. That's a big issue too with uh, the Transport Minister, Michael Wooden, to talk about this new package of uh, transport measures for council. So it's cycleways and proven walkways. Yes. Well, that sort of thing.
0: Uh, yeah, so we've got a little bit of, to get through this have, morning. Who, who are you riding shotgun with today? Uh, Marnie is in the studio oh, with us, this morning. Yeah. Wonderful. Thank you very much. And, of course, they are here after 6 o'clock. Well, if we all listened to the Reserve Bank, our Christmas shopping list wouldn't consist of much more than hankies and socks this year, It'll help fight inflation, announcing yet another interest rates hike. Recently, the bank's governor, Adrian Orr, warned people to think harder about their spending habits or risk an even higher cost of living. Leonard Powell hit the streets of Auckland to find out if people are heeding the call.
1: Well, the family's already decided that just for the adults, there will be $130 present, so we'll just share $130 present. And I've already done an advent calendar for a friend and I've, I've
5: bought everything in an op shop or made it myself. So yes, yeah, so I have cut back. Personally, yes, because I'm trying to save to go to the States in January. So I am going to be spending a lot less.
1: We're going to try not to, if we can, because we've got a four-year-old to impress. Yeah. I don't think that's the answer.
5: Oh, I agree.
1: I think it's, Christmas is about the children, so let's just enjoy it. Nah, no way.
8: You've got to live, eh? got to enjoy it. It's uh, one time where you kind of, if you can afford it, obviously, that maybe you enjoy it, right? I mean, I hadn't given it too much thought, but I don't think so. I think I'd probably just continue to spend. Yeah, Try not to go over the top, really. It's more going over the top on the food, eh? Yeah, I think yeah. That's, that's what it's about.
6: We don't spend a lot of money on Christmas anyway, because it's too commercial. We tend to make our own presents and just focus on getting together and eating and drinking.
9: So basically all I do is work and then spend my money and work again bro and then do it all over again. You're not planning on cutting back because the Reserve Bank said
4: so? Nah. Nah it's all good. I gotta live life while you can, eh?
1: It's cutting back on the food so it's not as lavish and it's also cutting back on the amount of presents so adults can go without and it's just children and even the scope of the price of the presents um, you think twice about buying bikes and e-scooters and things that we bought in the past we won't be indulging in those sorts of gifts now.
7: Previously we might book like where uh, we eat outside but this year we pretty much like cooking in-house in and, and in my friends coming over, yeah.
3: I think a lot of people will be cussing back and I just don't think it's going to have the same atmosphere or anything. Christmas itself, we're cutting down on expense wise, maybe get something a bit cheaper, smaller and also food wise, we're not going to have such a, a big turkey or whatever. You know, we just get um, a piece of meat now, I think.
7: I'm honestly so uh, run off my feet at the moment that it hasn't even crossed my mind.
0: There we go. Well, someone who certainly won't be contributing to inflation is Lynn Webster. Who didn't need their Reserve Bank Governor to tell her to stop buying so much stuff. So Lynn is a dairy farmer and sustainability advocate. She runs the website Pig Tits and Parsley Sauce. That's the expression that her mum used to use when the kids would ask, Mum, what's for tea? Lynn doesn't go to supermarkets at all these days, and whatever she can't make for herself, she buys from bulk stores or online. I asked her what Christmas will look like at her place this year.
1: This year it's gonna look pretty good because I've got family coming up from Taranaki. But we just keep it simple, you know, we'll just we we're, we're not present focused,
0: let's put it that way. Okay, so keeping it simple, doing it present focused. We'll we'll speak to food. But just in case there is something present focused around there, have you got any thrifty Christmas prezi ideas?
1: Well, yeah, I did have a think about it and I just like if you can just stay away from your shopping. Really, just stay out, of the, stay out of that consumerism, stay out of the, the sales. Just yeah, give someone, if you think about, is it environmentally friendly what I'm giving something? what's the packaging like, Like what, what am I actually doing here? So you're trying to make someone happy and you're trying to say, you know, I love you, but if you really need to do that by giving them a gift, maybe you could make that food
4: uh, you know so that yeah. it's
1: like a special treat of chocolate or something, but there's not necessarily going to be a whole lot of plastic packaging going back out landfill or into the what we just forget about it.
0: Um, I, I, I might have to keep keep mine a bit of an arts and crafts one, because if I ever go at making chocolate, that person's going to look at me, you know, with that polite face when they go, mmm, Cremelta. Oh, well,
1: look, yeah. I wasn't really thinking of making chocolate. <laughs> I'm still buying, you know, I'm still saying buying the chocolate. It's just like, for me, I make so many things now that I used to buy, and you'd be surprised. You can actually make things better than what, you buy, but sometimes if you have to go to the trouble of making something, then you think, well, do I really want to do that? Like You've gone to the trouble, because it's so easy to just go and put some money across a counter or a card, and then somebody gives you something, but someone's gone to a lot of trouble to make that. But if you have to go to that trouble, it's like it's uh, too hard, so you probably wouldn't want to do it. Yeah,
6: true.
1: So another, another present that you can give that's good is an experience. So, like, instead of, like, I think there's a lot of nana traps around, like, for us older ladies, there's a lot of things that flashy pieces of plastic that the kids get brainwashed into wanting, mm. and they're a waste of money. But maybe give them an experience. Um, maybe if it's just movie tickets. Or um, for older kids, a concert to their favourite, ticket to their favourite band concert, or maybe something like horse riding. Yes. You know, be creative, and then an experience is still a really great present. But it doesn't mean packaging, and it doesn't mean getting excited about something that's not really worth it. Because like a horse ride's always going to be worth it. It is good. But a, a Barbie castle might not be worth it.
0: No, and the door is, breaks off and you can't find it three months later. Exactly, and three months later.
1: a boxing day. Yeah, it so, yeah, <laughs> lasted for three months.
0: Wow. <laughs> okay, yeah, three months. I'm being generous there. Let's yeah. a look. All right, then let's get into what, what does your Christmas dinner look like there on the Webster farm?
1: It probably looks like a lot of home kill. <laughs> it's awful. <laughs> no, I have got a beast in the freezer, so I am quite lucky. So it'll probably be roast. And there's also going to be fresh veggies in the garden because I planted ahead and I got spuds in on time for Christmas. And I've got a whole lot of lettuces and tomatoes and stuff growing in the garden. So, yeah, it'll just look, I don't know
0: healthy that's nice now but you would advise. I mean I'm guessing though I mean you've planned ahead here which is very good there'll be a lot of people going oh I didn't have time to plant some potatoes can they grow in three weeks (laughs) What, what, what would you what would you suggest you know what's around that I guess seasonal that's something that people should have a look at
1: Well, you know, potatoes are probably the least of your worries, really. Like, if you're thinking, like, what am I trying to achieve? At Christmas time, people might put a whole lot of unnecessary pressure on themselves to perform in some way. Like, it quite often falls just on one person. And they do it to themselves, they're the martyr of Christmas, and they make sure everyone else has a good time. And people sometimes kind of take advantage of that person. So if you are that person, maybe you could consider escaping the role because you're in control of it. Or if you can see that someone else is that person, discreetly but without offending them, just see if you can help them out. Just take the pressure off them. Because, you know, if everyone brings some food, then that one person doesn't have to do a whole lot. Yes. And they can have more fun on the day instead of just feeling, you know, the pressure of what's happening next, you know. I have to do something. I've got to get the next course out or whatever. It's kind of, that's sort of like old-fashioned.
0: That's Lynn Webster. (laughs) The West Auckland MP Phil Twyford has met with the son of a dairy owner killed in a botched robbery eight years ago who wants to know what's changed since his dad's death. Aaron Kumar died after being stabbed while working at the Railside Dairy in the Auckland suburb of Henderson back in 2014. The offenders, then aged 12 and 13, wanted cigarettes and cash from the till. Aaron's son, Shivneel Kumar, wrote an open letter to the Prime Minister and Justice Minister saying he's horrified that history has repeated itself with the fatal stabbing of dairy worker Janak Patel last month. Shivneel says Janak's death is a stark reminder that not enough action has been taken to prevent this again.
7: And it would have been, what, hundred bucks in the till? Is that what his life was worth? Is that what my father's life was worth? You tell me, you know, a couple of cigarettes. Yeah, they're a bit more expensive now, but are they worth a life? No.
0: Phil Twyford was the MP for Aaron Kumar's electorate, which is Teotstu, when he was killed in 2014. He remains the area's parliamentary representative today, and he's with me now. Uh kia ora, Phil. Thank you very much for being here. So, you, you had the meeting um, where you could sit down and uh, discuss there with, with Shivneel Kumar. How did it go, and, and what, I mean, do you have an idea of what they would like?
10: Morning. Nate, yeah, look, this is um this is an issue that really um is one of those incidences that really touched me in the um the decade or so that I've been the MP for uh the for Two in West Auckland and it was really good to sit down last night with Shiv and, and uh talk with him and his wife Priya eight years after I I visited their home in the um in the aftermath of um Shiv's dad being killed at the railside dairy, and Shiv's a really remarkable guy. You know, he's really dedicated his life to um, trying to do something about uh, the issue of violent offending, and uh, and he's worked with the the, um, the Waitamata police um, as part of an advisory uh, committee over the years, and I think that. Um, I don't want to speak for Shiv, of course, but I, um, what he said to me is that he um, the, the killing of Janak Patel, which is you know, such a tragic and uh, awful uh, thing to have happened, has just really um, uh, stirred him up, and uh, he's highly motivated to, to, kind of con- to continue on this quest of trying to do something about this problem. So we talked about um, the issue, we talked about the... the um, various solutions that are kind of out there, that, that uh, things that are being done, and what more could be done. And um, I'm, I really rate this guy. And I rate Shiv. And the issue about violent crime, um, it, it is a serious issue in the community I represent. People want something done. I think that our government's actually doing a hell of a lot. No, we um, the the. the the upsurge in recent months that we've seen of retail crime, including the RAM rate, You know, we're putting unprecedented investment um, right now into supporting small retailers.
0: Phil, there was... Oh, Sorry, sorry mm-hmm. Phil, there was a number of police stations that were closed not long after this and I know that was a budget cutting uh, decision back then from the government and I know that lo- local, area, local area out there, 2 doesn't have a police station anymore I know that response times is something that uh, govern- uh, that um, Minister Allen was talking about Surely that's better right, to reopen these, to help with these response times and have, have police back in their communities Is there the budget or the hope to do that?
10: No look i putting um reopening some of these uh, small local police stations i don 't think anybody in the sector and and certainly no one in the police thinks that 's a good idea you know we've we 've put since we 've been in government we 've put more than three thousand um, police on the beat, and that 's uh, more than sixteen hundred additional police over and above um, what was in place uh, five years ago so We've 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 put unprecedented amounts of extra budget on the police into the police force so that they can do their job. And that's one of the main things we have to do. The debate about longer sentences is in large part a, a red herring. The most important thing is that the police have the resources and the personnel to do the job. And um could we do more? Yeah, probably we could. um and we need to. And but the big thing that I think came out of the uh, discussion I had last night with Shiv is that um, a lot of the, the young people who are committing some of this offending are coming from um, really tough backgrounds, totally unparented. Um, uh, they are so alienated from everything that m- most people in society take for granted, like notions of right and wrong. How do you reach those kids? Chucking them in jail is essentially just handing them over to the gangs. So how do you reach those kids, how do you intervene, hold them accountable for what they've done, ensure that there are consequences, but actually do something effective about making sure this problem doesn't continue.
0: Yeah. And thank thank you, you very much,
10: that, Phil. And I'm up for that too.
0: Yeah, thank you uh, very much, uh, Phil Twyford there. Yeah, it's an interesting debate, isn't it? And that's what we've got two sides presenting here uh, that you'll hear over the next few weeks or so. And, in fact, you've heard in this last week as well. One side says, uh, look, we've you know they, it's the backgrounds here that are involved. We've got to try and get it at the root cause. Then we've got another side saying, no, chuck them in jail. Uh, the sentencing is there. And I know that when we spoke to, I think it was the Retail Association last week in Sandringham, they were very big on the sentences need to be tougher. Um, so... Uh, It is an interesting case. I I still wonder why, you know, smaller police stations that were uh, shut weren't reopened. Uh, Very quickly, Anne says, Pear thinly shaved ham and rocket. It's unbeatable. Oh, putting pear on there as well. Uh, Nathan, it was the chignician pear with the camembert cheese. That was the one you had. It was always very nice. Thank you very much for all of your feedback. It's wonderful. Uh, Marnie and Coroner next with Morning Report. First up's back in your ears. Ah, poor poor.